W-H-Y-Y and BillyPenn.com. It is hitting season. Hey there, podcast pals. I am John Stolnes from The Good Fight and Billy Penn. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolnes. Coming up, the Phillies sweep an opponent. We've been calling for this for so long, and the Phillies got the dreadful St. Louis Cardinals at Citizens Bank Park, and man, did they beat up on that piece of garbage team. Uh, We'll be talking about that series, and what a wonderful weekend it was at the bank. This team rounding into form, it looks like, uh, as they get ready to enter the final five weeks of the season here. So we'll talk about all of the different heroes from this weekend in Philadelphia, and um Yeah, lots of stuff to get into here on this episode of the podcast. Joining me is my good buddies Liz Rocher and Justin Clue. Liz Rocher, of course, from Yahoo Sports. Follow her on Twitter, at Liz Rocher. Elizabeth, we had fun this weekend. How's it going? We had so much fun this weekend. I had fun this weekend. I spent it with my family. And I would like to say to my sister, Angela, who is not listening to this and won't, uh, that she was right. <laughs> that the Phillies did sweep today and didn't blow it, as both me and my father predicted they would. <laughs> like, well, before we left, before my husband and I left today, we, we said we gave our predictions. And I had no faith, I will admit. I was faithless. But uh, I am pleased to be proven wrong. I mean, you could hardly be blamed in thinking that the Phillies wouldn't wouldn't finish off a sweep. They've had a few opportunities over these last few weeks against some pretty bad teams to to finish off a sweep mm-hmm. and just kind of fell short. They, of, of course, didn't manage to against a better team, the Giants, last uh, last week to, to finish off a sweep. But uh, here against the Cardinals, they did so. And you're right, I wasn't expecting it. And with Aaron Nola on the mound, it's kind of been a, an up-and-down scenario. He, uh, has, he has a few times this year with the, an opportunity to... Uh, to finish off a sweep, not been able to get the job done. But, of course, we're going to talk about the ridiculously great start from Aranola here on Sunday in just a minute. I want to welcome in Justin Clue, of course, from Baseball Prospectus and the Dirty Inning, which you can hear over at the Hit and Season Patreon, as well as Absolutely Hammered. Follow him on Twitter at Justin underscore Clue. Justin, what's up with you, bud? Well, like Liz, I had people I know watching this game. Uh, and uh, the other thing that I think we kind of forgot would happen with a game three is that the Phillies also scored a ton of runs and beat the Cardinals by a lot in game two, which, of course, meant they would not win the next day. They would get shut out. Yes, exactly. Right. Thank you. The other Thank component. You. Defensible. Yeah, and so my buddy was taking his dad to this game, and they're celebrating, and he splurged on really good, really good seats. And uh, we were like, "Oh, that's great! Have a good time!" And our other friend texted me and was like, "This is this is the worst that he is taking his dad to this game tomorrow. That they are definitely going to lose." I was like, "They're definitely going to lose. <laughs> They're definitely going to lose, and it's going to be really frustrating." And they paid all this money. And uh, yeah, no happy ending. And uh, to your other point about how hard a time the Phillies have just finishing off series. Uh, I went ahead and looked this up because it was starting. I was like, this has to be a significant number at this point. The Phillies have played 41 series this season. Uh, 18 times they've won two. They've won all but one game of a series. So they've won one out of two, two out of three, or three out of four. 18 yeah. times. And in those 18 times in which they, they had won, uh, if in those 18 games in which had they won, they would have swept They've lost by two or fewer runs 10 out of 18 times, Aww. which is which is significant. But also, that includes the last six opportunities they've had to sweep. They have uh. lost the deciding game by two or fewer <laughs> runs. Three times, it's been game two of a series. Five times, it's game three where they fail to, to finish off the sweep. But nine times, it's game one, they lose, and then they win the next two, yeah. which I think is the best possible way to, to do that. 
You know, yep. If you're going to do that, that's the best way. And it's also just super appropriate for this team that's always going down early in individual games and having to come back. They've got 37 comeback wins out of 72 wins this year. They are a team that excels <laughs> when it's playing out of a hole. They do that. They did it at the beginning of the season where yeah. they had to play out of a hole and they've successfully done it. And this just makes the Cardinal series a totally satisfying outlier. This was a series that went exactly the way it was supposed to for the first yes. time. If you're someone who subscribes to the idea that the quality of Philly's opponents actually impacts their play, I'm not sold on that yet, but whatever. The point is the Cardinals are a really bad team that everybody is taking turns running over right now. And the Phillies this weekend were one of those teams and boy, it's nice to be the team benefiting from that kind of momentum now because the Phillies specifically seem to, you know, just not unable to win a game exactly like today's game. Yeah, they've had opportunities, like you said, to to win games like this and, and haven't been able to get it done. And this Cardinals team came to Philadelphia, and I, I, you know, we've we've seen the Cardinals' record all year. We we know that they have been out of playoff contention for a long time. The horrendous start they got off to, but it's the Cardinals. And and when I mean, when you think of the Cardinals, you don't think horrible baseball team. There have been very few instances in my memory that I can ever remember the Cardinals being very, very bad. My brain is still adjusting that they're yeah, not like a playoff team or anything. Like, they're just nothing. It's crazy. Because they won the division last year, but they're so bad. This is the worst Cardinals team I've ever seen. And I've been watching baseball since 1985. The running Redbirds was like the first, one of my first baseball memories is a great Cardinals team. You know, that Vince Coleman team where they're running all over the place with Willie McGee and Jack Clark and everything like that. And as far as I can remember, they've never been bad. I mean, they, they probably had a setback season here or two, but... This is this is an awful team, but I don't want to take away from what the Phillies did this weekend because the Phillies destroyed this team, and the Phillies have played bad teams this year and not taken care of business. This weekend, they outscored the Cardinals twenty-two to three. Our good buddy Schmenkman from the Good Fight, he's our stats guru there. He he noted that it's only the fourth time in franchise history they've outscored St. Louis by nineteen or more runs in a series. It's the first time they've done it in one hundred fourteen years. The last time they did it was in August of 1909 when they won a five-game series with a run differential of 23. So this 22-3 plus 19 run differential of these last three games have never really been done before in, in, in modern baseball for the Phillies. They've, they've never had this kind of success. And it was just, Justin, it was shocking watching these Cardinals pitchers go up there and just throw slop. Like they have, they have no one who can miss a bat. And the Phillies, to their credit, the Phillies hitters wailed on these guys this weekend. It was just, it was a party from start to finish. It's really easy to panic when you feel that way. When you're watching your team pitch and there's just nobody who can get any outs. And I remember that very real fear for the Phillies earlier this season when it felt like there just wasn't a guy you could send out there who was going to be effective. And it's crazy that now the Phillies are this pitching first team that really leans on its pitching uh, mm -hmm. until very recently when they started hitting more home runs than anyone in baseball. Um, but yeah, that, that's uh, that, the Cardinals kind of represent the worst possible version of the Phillies. It almost feels like like they they dipped that low at one point, but the Phillies managed to bounce back. The Cardinals haven't bounced back. And like you said, it is just very foreign to see the Cardinals uh, like this at this point in the season. They haven't finished under 500 since 2007. And the year before that, they won the World Series. So we're yeah. pretty accustomed to seeing them <laughs> succeed and be a good team to play against, and a tough team to play against right now. That they're being considered the, uh, part of the Phillies' you know, soft schedule in this part of the season is is crazy it certainly wasn't the expectation going into the season no, the they... fox broadcast but on um on saturday 
really tried to make it sound like a contest, um, either out of ignorance or because it was just such a beating. But it was like, ignorance because they were saying yeah. they also said Bryce Harper will be back in the outfield next year, and also that Reese Hoskins will be back, and that's why Bryce Harper will be back in the outfield. <laughs> so I know. They, hmm. He was. I mean, my family was angry, <laughs> and I, like they 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 criticized him for never shutting up. He, uh, my favorite thing is he, the uh, the Cardinals made a play. Um, they made an easy play look a little difficult. Smoltz spent 10 minutes praising them for being good at the fundamentals while they screwed up again right in front. Right in front of his face. They screwed up. They had the nerve to show all of the stuff from when the Cardinals beat the Phillies in that playoff series. They had that In 2011? All, yeah. All yeah, over, yeah. all over. It was painful. Like you, you could not have imagined that the Phillies were a, a good team, mm. or had beaten the Cardinals last year in yeah. eliminated or them ever. from the playoffs. <laughs> like whoever they, and I'll admit I don't know who they had um, uh, at the desk doing the uh, the commentating, uh, the analyst stuff, but. They were like, you know, are we overlooking the Phillies? You know, we really haven't talked about them at all. And I'm like, yeah, you haven't. Keep, <laughs> well, you and I'm like, keep doing it. And then they just continued to say things that we've been saying for months. They brought up the Alec Bohm, I effing hate this place thing. And then they showed him making mm-hmm. the three errors. And then they didn't show any of the footage of him actually saying the quote or the ovation that they had mentioned or the interview he gave afterwards. They just showed the three errors. No. Nope. And that was nope. it. And then they went nope. to commercial wow. and you're like, wow, was this a package about Alec Bohm? Thank you. Know, you. just sucks? Like, what? what is this? Like, I hate to make this negative because this was an amazing series. It was fun to watch and the Cardinals are awful and I'm enjoying every minute of it. But this was criminal. John Smoltz could not, he really wouldn't stop talking. And everything they said was about how it was never about the Phillies. It was, it was really something that they were, they were just pounding the crap out of the Phillies for having lost a playoff series like 12 years ago. Well, what's, what's crazy is that, um, what's crazy is that you've got John Smoltz was doing their color announcing throughout their playoff run last year. Um, you know, and that's, that's, what's bizarre is like, was you, that you, a fluke though? Was that a fluke? Well, that's what hmm. I mean. Yeah. It, we look at the standings this year then to too. I mean, it's, I, I mean, listen, I, I get it. You know, I don't, maybe they're just trying to make it seem like it's a more competitive series or two competitive teams so that people will stick around and watch. But I mean, it turned, obviously didn't turn out that way with a 12 to one win. But I mean, I think if you're going to use the 2011 video and stuff, what you do is you talk about the role reversal here, how the Cardinals beat the Phillies in, in, Game five in, in 2011, and from that moment on, when Ryan Howard you know tore his Achilles, the Phillies dynasty, the, the Phillies dynasty, the Phillies run ended, and they went on a decade long, uh, a decade without making the playoffs. And now here, the Phillies last year as a wild card team beat a Cardinals team in the playoffs that won a division, and that could have could very well be a line of demarcation for a Cardinals rebuild. It just it's like the parallels are right there to talk about if if you if you so desire and it's, it's content and i was really i was frustrated with jason benetti who i like but he he was just sort of playing into all of it and i'm like please please be better than this please i'm begging you smoltz don't do this don't do, don't give in to him <laughs> Ugh, why does he do this he's I, 
I I no. hate to make this negative, but I I feel like I I must speak on behalf of everybody who had to watch that game. I begged my family to turn it off after they got a lead, and they were afraid. They were all yeah. afraid when I told, and I said at this point, probably Sean and I, my husband, we would have turned it off because no. we don't want to. We you know what? They've got a lead. We don't want to mess with it. We want to move on with our evening. Well, let's talk about where the team sits right now. They are a season high, 14 games over 500, uh, sweeping the Cardinals in Philadelphia for the first time since 2003. The The home record is just great, 39 and 25 at home. They're 14 games over 500 at home, which is uh, their, their season record. They're 500 on the road. So um, they their home cooking is is legitimate the citizens bank park is a place that nobody wants to play the phillies love playing here and they are taking care of business at home uh they are 15 and 10 here in the month of august i would have thought the record in august was a little bit better than 15 and 10 but um i'll take it you know 15 and 10 in the month of august is has gotten them in a very comfortable spot in the national league wildcard picture i think Fangraphs has their odds of making the playoffs now at a little over 94 percent baseball reference is even a little bit higher uh the phillies have a three game lead over the chicago cubs for the top wild card spot uh they have a three and a half game lead over arizona uh but the phillies right now are five games clear of a playoff spot the cincinnati reds are one and a half games out of the wild card so uh right right now the phillies are, are have a five game lead on a playoff spot at this point in the season with with five weeks left to go so they are in a really really good spot um with regards to uh postseason positioning and and the main story i thought the main story was going to be the power bats after the first two games of the series, but the after Aaron Ola start on on Sunday, Justin, I think what we need to discuss first is the starting pitching in this series and an absolutely dominant performance by three starters. Christopher Sanchez, who continues to impress as the team's number five or six starter now, depending on on what y'all think of him. But Sanchez went six innings on Friday, gave up five hits, two earned runs, six strikeouts, and no walks. Then Zach Wheeler comes out on Saturday night and he looked un. Unbelievable. His best stuff of the season, seven innings, three hits, one run, 10 strikeouts and no walks, and it just looked so easy. And then on Sunday, Aaron Nola had his very best start of the season. He looked like vintage Aaron Nola. This was the really good Aaron Nola. Seven innings, one hit allowed, nine strikeouts, one walk. After allowing a leadoff double to start off the game, he retired 21 of the next 22 hitters that he faced. All told, the, the starting rotation as a whole, through 20 innings, gave up three runs, nine hits, and had 25 strikeouts to one walk for a 1.35 ERA. So when you, when you look at this Phillies team and you see, Justin, the playoffs in front of you, the starting pitching is what's going to make the difference for this team. They can hit. They, we all know they can hit, and it's great to see them hitting. But when these, when the starting pitchers, specifically Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola, when they, if they can look like this over the last five weeks and into the playoffs, there is, there is no, there is no obstacle for the Phillies here in the playoffs. If they can look like that, absolutely. Um, unfortunately, that's been a question that's been asked for a lot of the season. Uh, if they can, they look like that. If if they can look like that, you want to be a little more sure. Uh, but at this point, I, I think people are going to take it. I was certainly taking it today, and I think I explained that my recent Aaron Nola policy is uh, is is more about hey enjoy free agency that's that's going to go probably pretty solid for you but starts like this make you think oh boy <laughs> like if that guy's still in there it's just how many how many bad starts are going to separate him how many how many 
two out unravelings are going to separate him from his next start that looked like this one. Um, but you don't want to even think about that when he helps you uh, finish off a sweep like this. Uh, I want to read Todd Zalecki's lead for his write-up on, on, this, on this game. Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola lined up to pitch the first two games of last fall's National League wildcard series in St. Louis. They pitched well. The Phillies won. So yes, if they earn another NL wildcard berth next month, they would love to line up their rotation exactly the same way. If we can do it that way, yeah. If it were today, I'd say, yeah, that's right, Phillies manager Rob Thompson said following Sunday afternoon's 3 to nothing victory. So, I mean, you know, I don't, we, we don't like to take one thing and say this means everything, but um, they checked in with Rob Thompson about who, who he would start in a playoff series, and he's still going Aaron Nola. After a start like today, you know, yeah, you want to believe, oh, with that, if he's capable of doing that a little more frequently, that that's that is a guy you want starting a playoff game, but I think that's what people have gone to all year is, is with Aaron Nola when he's had these frustrating starts in a row where you're just like, is this a guy you'd want to start in a playoff series? And while I don't have the same confidence as Thompson does yet, I love the brazen. Yeah, I'm just gonna do that again. <laughs> response like he may not even know there's far more significant and fair criticism of Nola out there this season. And I like that. That's beautiful. It's his job and his reputation to have this undying faith in his players, and for us, that's like occasionally irritating and even you know sometimes occasionally actively damaging to the team it feels like but man when we get to be wrong like this and they get to be right and Thompson gets to be right for having faith in his, his in his guy and Nola gets to be right by having a start like that uh it's great because it means Nola's fulfilling his original expectations and what was great about his strikeouts today were his third strike pitches were everywhere and effective regardless like he was getting guys out on his knuckle curve he was throwing low fastballs he was painting the outside corner he was getting them to swing at inside stuff all for third strikes and it was different from a typical outing because it just felt like everything was working yeah, Liz. I mean, that, that hits the nail on the head. As you were watching him pitch, his fastball looked electric. He was he had total command of of every pitch, which we haven't seen from him this year. And even when he did get into trouble, uh, the couple of times that he got into trouble, he was able to make some pitches. He was really dotting that fastball, the two seamer on the outer edges. He was staying. He, I don't think he threw a single pitch over the middle of the plate in this game. I, I don't remember. Oh, no. And when he did throw a fastball over the plate, it was ninety four, and it was at the very top of the strike zone. He got a couple of swings and misses, a lot of swings and misses on his fastball. I think seven of his nine strikeouts came on fastballs, which is which is we have not seen from him. And it was 94 with life. It was up in the zone. It was tantalizing for hitters to swing at, and he didn't have to rely on throwing balls out of the strike zone to get swings and misses. He was able to come into the zone ahead of the count, and I think he was fooling Cardinals hitters who were expecting him to go soft once he got two strikes. But... That doesn't work if you're throwing 92. When your fastball's 94 and it's got some tail and some kick on it, now you've got something. And that's what was most encouraging for me. And I've been really gun-shy about thinking about Aaron Nola as a Game 2 starter in, in the playoffs based on what we've seen this year. But this is the kind of thing that if he continues throughout the last few weeks of the season, then you start to feel real good about him as a number 2 because, like we've been saying, there is a ceiling to Aaron Nola that isn't there for the other starters in this rotation, and we saw the ceiling on Sunday. We definitely did. Um, it was nice to see him reach the top of it, and in a way, there really wasn't a better team for him to face after sort of reaching this point in his current sort of streak of being good, because he's owned the Cardinals over, you know, his uh, his time in the majors. He is a, yeah. here, uh, coming into today uh, over like 60 innings, uh, nine games, 2.69 ERA. What is it? Just 18 earned runs total. Mm. Like that's 
He's very good against the Cardinals always, but today because they're just playing a, a, a lineup that is it's depressing. He was able to flash everything. It was yeah. beautiful. It, and, you know, really... would you say that Aaron Nola excels when nothing goes wrong? And I, I mean this as a positive. It's going to sound negative. But, you know, as, as infrequently as that is, when it happens, he excels. And today was a game where really nothing went wrong for him. Mm-hmm. So that's probably why he was able to put together such a strong start. And, you know, what you want him to do is be able to use this confidence and be able to get out of a situation the next time he gets in one. So hopefully that's the case. We'll see what happens. But yeah, this was a, this was just a, it was a refreshing, but when you look at it, yeah, that's, that's, that's his sweet spot. <laughs> perfection. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it really is. His sweet spot is perfection when he's, and, and he pitched, you know, really he, think about it. He kind of pitched a no hitter today. I mean, he gave up the one hit first batter of the game who then got erased on an amazingly beautiful defensive play by Trey Turner at shortstop to erase Edmund at second base on a, on a ground ball to short. And just, you could just see that took the wind totally out of the Cardinal sails um, in, in that first inning. And then from that point on, Nola was just, he never had to, and one, one of the things we'll say is he didn't have to pitch out of the stretch all that much in this game. And like you said, he just, he was, but part of the problem is that this year he hasn't had his command and so he's been giving up a lot of hits he's been giving up a few more walks than normal and so he's put himself in a position where he has had to pitch from the stretch uh he just didn't have to do that in this game he was in the windup uh for for 21 out of the last 22 batters that he faced i mean it really was it really was a clinic uh that Aaronola put on on sunday and i'm, I'm not gonna ask the question is he back no nope. is has he has he turned it around we've already said that's a dumb thing to do we just need to take each Aaron Nola start as its own thing, cross our fingers, you know, do the sign of the cross, whatever it is that you do when you want to wish good good fortunes on 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 a on a, an athlete to 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 perform for you and and hope that that is what continues during the course of the of the rest of the 5 weeks of the season, but um a, a really encouraging start for Aaronola. Well, like I said, it wasn't just Aaron Nola who pitched really well this weekend. Zach Wheeler had a ridiculous outing against the Cardinals on Saturday night on national television. Um, and again, I mentioned he went seven innings, three hits, one earned run, 10 strikeouts, no walks. And I, you know, I made a stupid tweet at the beginning of the game where I said he's got you no keep hit doing stuff. That. Yeah, I kind of don't care anymore. You yeah, know? don't stop. Yeah, don't I'm, I'm stop. getting that. Fine. I just don't that. care. Because, what a, you know, if he throws a no-hitter, I want to be able to put that out there and be like, yeah, he threw it. Because, he, you know, he's not going to throw a no-hitter because I tweeted or didn't tweet. And then you get, but you get the knuckle-draggers who will come into your replies and be like, you know, hey, way to go, a-hole. You know, so, okay, fine, whatever, <laughs> I don't care. Um, but it was, you could just tell from the first inning, like, holy, he's got his fastball tonight. I mean, it was, he's pumping up 97, 98 early in the game. It's got movement. You could tell the Cardinals were just overmatched. And as bad as the Cardinals have been offensively they've been okay this year like this is not a team that has a it's like I got a a Marlins like offense they have good hitters and they've they have had decent success offensively this year it's the pitching staff that's been absolutely brutal for them but that being said I mean they had they couldn't do anything against Zach Wheeler and you you guys mentioned that he you know that game what do you pitch game one last year against uh, against the Cardinals in in the wild card series where he just absolutely dominated them it looked exactly like that um, in that in that game where he just he was throwing so hard and they just they couldn't touch him and now we're hearing we're starting to hear some uh, Zach Wheeler Cy Young 
talk, you know, not that he's necessarily mm. overtaking anybody just yet, but that he's starting to put together the kinds of starts here late in the season where he's going to start to be talked about a little bit more as a potential Cy Young candidate. And if you look at Fangraphs and their wins above replacement, Zach Wheeler leads all National League pitchers in wins above replacement at 5.2. I think the other two guys who he's probably battling with or probably are the the leaders in the clubhouse right now for Cy Young. Uh, Spencer Strider and Zach Allen are at 4.7. He's got a 3.59 ERA, but he's got a 3.01 FIP. And that is the number that Fangraphs really loves. And obviously, you don't win games based on FIP. But his FIP, his fielding independent pitching, had been so much lower than his ERA throughout the first half of the season that everybody was looking at that and saying, look, his, his ERA's got to come down. He's been incredibly unlucky on balls in play. He's had some real un, he's had some real bad luck in terms of, of run support. And now it seems, yes, that is starting to play itself out. He's not falling victim to those things quite as much. But I'm also seeing, and I think he said this after the game too, the stuff is ticking up a notch, which is great to see here on August 27th because, Liz, if you'll remember this time last year, he was on the injured list, and we were relying on Bailey Falter to kind of bail us out during these, uh, which Bailey did admirably during the last part of the season last year. But to have Zach Wheeler back, and it seems to be hitting his stride right now, as Aaron Nola may be hitting his stride, that was that was a, a wildly exciting performance from him on Saturday night, if you could get past all the John Smoltzness. <laughs> it was really exciting and fun to watch um and I, I just longed for the mute button because I just wanted to watch it unadorned because he was just so dominant I love watching that type of pitching where he's just like all business he knows what he's doing he throws his pitches and he's finished like they held they had a graph of the number of pitches he'd thrown per inning and it was like two of two or three at the beginning were double digits and the rest of them were all single digits to the oh, end yeah. of his outing it was incredible like that's that's exciting that's electric yeah when you pair just an electric stuff with command which is what zach wheeler had and what mm -hmm. aaron ola had on sunday it's a devastating combination and i don't care how good an offense you are you can't do anything about that I mean, unless unless you happen to guess right and get into one then you tip your hat to the hitter but zach wheeler we know when he's on his game is one of the more dominant starting pitchers in baseball, and he's starting to show that now. Saturday night was just, it's one of the best, it's probably his best start of the season and one of the best starts he's thrown in a Phillies uniform. I mean, he hasn't allowed more than four earned runs since June 25th, and he uh, he hasn't gone fewer than six innings since July 1st. Wow. I mean, uh -huh. if that's not ace number one <laughs> pitcher's stuff, like that's Ooh. that's exactly what he's here to be, and that's exactly what he's done. Uh, it, it's Yeah, it's definitely been a quieter campaign. And you do forget, going back, like, yeah, this team really struggled offensively. Remember a time before August they weren't coming through for their pitchers, and occasionally that meant pitchers like Wheeler could throw a gem and just not get the help they needed. Um, but, you know, the Phillies know. You keep Zach Wheeler in the game, he'll keep you in the game as well. And being able to fire on more than one cylinder is really beneficial for this team. I didn't want my entire response to be sarcastic and passive-aggressive, but I believe I've failed. Uh, and I apologize, <laughs> because I am trying to celebrate Zach Wheeler. That was a, uh, a terrific start in this series. And yeah, the kind of the kind of starts that uh, number one starters get in the playoffs. Uh, it's, it's very exciting, because you can see in these last two starts what the playoffs can look like 
really in this whole series, you can see what the playoffs will look like. And I want to talk about Christopher Sanchez here in just a minute, too, because that was he's been eye opening as well here during the course of the season. And you look at guys who are going to be here long term. Chris Sanchez is starting to etch his name into the rotation in 24, 25, whatever. But, um, you know, Joe Giglio, he has his he has his detractors. He has his fans. But he did have this interesting stat, which which I, I wanted to pass along. First, 95 starts with the Phillies in their careers. He was comparing Zach Wheeler and Roy Halladay. Zach Wheeler, ERA, first 95 starts, 3.02. Roy Halladay, 3.0. Hits per nine innings, Zach Wheeler, 7.6. Halladay, 8.2. Strikeouts per nine, Zach Wheeler, 9.6. Halladay, 8.1. Strikeout to walk ratio, um, sorry, uh, 5.06. Strikeout to walk ratio for for Halladay, 5.34. Whip tied at 1.05. And if you're looking at wins above replacement, Zach Wheeler, 18.9. Roy Halladay, 18.1. And I don't think Joe put this out there as a criticism of Roy Halladay because nobody thinks that Roy Halladay's career in Philadelphia was a bust. Certainly by the end of it in 2012, when he was kind of a shell of himself, it it just, you know, he, he... he had his his back had given out and everything else. We all know the Roy Halladay story by now. The numbers really suffered. But I think it goes to to show what an amazing free agent signing Zach Wheeler is. And there's not a whole lot, Liz, that we like or remember from the Matt Clintac era, but this is one of the free agent signings that he absolutely nailed and the front office absolutely nailed. They picked the right guy. He has been like they they were looking at Zach Wheeler and saying, This is a guy who we think has a higher ceiling than what he's shown, that there's more there. And he got there, and he's stayed there, which you have to credit Zach Wheeler, you have to credit the pitching staff, and you have to credit the, the old regime for bringing him in here. One of the best free agent signings, and I'm, you'd be hard-pressed to find to point out a better free agent signing in Philly's history. I mean, definitely a free agent pitcher signing, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Um, the best free agent pitcher signing, I think, for sure. Yeah, and I mean, I was saying that the other night, and I think— looking at Roy Halladay in those first 95 starts is a, is a meaningful comparison. We don't have to look at past, we don't have to look at past 2011. It's not important. It's just not. Because uh, we want to look at him when he's at his best. And I think that's a meaningful comparison to make, looking at where they both are. They pitch in different eras uh, in Major League Baseball, but looking at how dominant they both have been, especially in in eras where pitchers have been, you know, pretty dominant. It's um it, it is the best signing, the best free agent pitcher signing they've ever made. It I will give all the credit to the old regime. Um and looking at it in hindsight it does seem like a no-brainer if you look at if you look at just sort of the raw stuff it's definitely going to be Zach Wheeler because he. It was obvious that he had potential left that he hadn't realized with the Mets. Um, not to the Mets, I, it wasn't. Yeah, <laughs> they, not to the Mets, it, it wasn't. But it to the rest of everyone else, I mean, the, that year of the Mets didn't make barely made a good free agent signing, and like this was when the Phillies didn't screw up. And I feel it's because you look at both of them and their pedigree and what their careers have looked like. It's it's Zach Wheeler, you know, in a walk. It really is. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it's almost it's unfair to say that in hindsight. And the most I could say is I'm very glad that they did that because it did change the direction of it changed the direction of the Phillies rebuild. It stopped being a rebuild and started being all right. Well, now we're competing. 
Yeah, and, and Justin, I think when we when we look at the Phillies and their their run of success with free agents lately, I mean, the only other pitcher I think you could compare it to is maybe Cliff Lee, and Cliff Lee was was absolutely dominant here after becoming a free agent for yes. for the most part. But again, he kind of tailed off too towards the end. Zach Wheeler not tailing off in the slightest, continuing to to be str- to be as strong as ever. And it'll be interesting to see when his contract only has one year left on it next year, what the Phillies do in this off season, whether they choose to extend Wheeler or um, whether they kind of go the same route they went with Aranola. Uh, this uh, this past spring, but um, it's kind of a problem for another day. With with Wheeler, though, I mean, it's you have this guy who has shown the ability to to perform in the playoffs, to to be a big game pitcher in the playoffs, and um, you know he's he had that stumble in the World Series and in, in the the first game of the World Series last year, and then bounced back in in Game Six and was was tremendous. But um, it's it's hard to think of a better free agent in in Philly's history. I mean, Bryce Harper, I think, is is turning out to be maybe probably the best free agent in Philly's history. But outside of that, it's it's is there a better one? Bryce Harper was the one that came to mind because I wanted to quote his statistics uh, against the Cardinals. I mean, we mentioned mm-hmm. Wheeler and how great he looked uh, and how it paralleled his start against them in the playoffs. But Bryce Harper entered play today with a 345 career batting average facing the Cardinals. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, the first two games of the series, he went five for eight. So, yeah, I mean, he, he happened to be facing them at exactly the right time this year. But I think... Um, yeah, I, I like off the top of my head, Harper comes to mind. Obviously, yeah, the pitchers from from that um, 2011 era come to mind. Um, but like, yeah, other than that, I, this was a this was a terrific signing. I think part of it is it it really wasn't as obvious to people as Harper. You know, yes. nobody was watching yep. the Zach Wheeler sweepstakes when when that, that free agency went down. And uh, I, that's not, that's also the kind of moves. It's indicative of how like Matt Clintac looked at potential signings he didn't like to do the most obvious thing yeah he was kind of a hipster in that way where he was trying to like (laughs) well you guys want to look at the starters market well we're gonna go with zach wheeler the guy everyone kind of looks at as like a number three uh a guy who his own team was like eh and let him walk away uh and and, yeah it has worked out very well for the phillies this is this yeah i think this was like every free agent signing uh debated when it first went down i don't think it was something that a lot of people signed off on just immediately it was like huh okay and then we all talked about it for like months uh but he has shown that whatever you felt his ceiling was it was a little higher at least and that's been so valuable for the phillies and he's a very he's a very crucial part to this team's success i i think too we have to remember and i'm trying to remember who the other free agents were because you just mentioned um that he wasn't necessarily the most uh the most highly in, uh, regarded of of the starting pitchers available it was a uh, garrett cole was one of them who, who was available i think that's that same offseason i think wasn't was it strasburg who was available was this at what i mean what was wheeler's first season it was 2020 wasn't it 2020 22 23 yeah so that was his yeah, he was signed in he, december 2019 i think at the winter meetings Right. So, I mean, so Steven Strasburg is coming off the World Series appearance, and he was the guy I think was was number one along with Garrett Cole, and Zach Wheeler was seen as a tier below. And I remember saying on a podcast, and I challenge anyone to find it and prove it, but I, I'll, I'll, I'll own up to it. <laughs> it's us. We would, would be the best people to find that, but yeah, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, if you guys you want to do the research, go for it. Uh, no. you, we have all the MP3 safe. Um, that I would have been that I would have been disappointed if Wheeler was the big free agent they got that offseason. Like, it didn't feel like enough because he was seen as a second-tier kind of guy. And the Phillies, to that point, had never shown an ability to f- have a starting pitcher find another level 
you know, they had, they didn't, they're not the pitching factory where they just churn guys out. You know, oh, he struggled somewhere else, but he comes to Philadelphia and boy, if he doesn't turn into a superstar, you know, they didn't do that with pitchers up until that point. But Zach, they, they actually, they figured out something with Zach Wheeler. And I don't know how much of it was the pitching coaches, how much of it was just Wheeler figuring it out, but uh, it's worked. They made the right call and the Phillies have been benefiting ever since. So um, a great start from, from Zach Wheeler on Saturday. And one so last. You just, you, you aren't just tweeting recklessly in the press. You're encouraging people to go back and find yes, older to, tweets. To, to find the receipts. Yeah. I mean I listen, okay. it's it's like an IRS audit. You've got to dig through boxes in order to get <laughs> in order to get to them. But if you can find them, more on you. If you don't tell them, they're just gonna find it anyway, and then you're really in trouble. They they do have an advanced Twitter search though, don't they? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, whatever. Um let's also they just don't talk quick. Listen to this podcast. <laughs> True enough. True enough. <laughs> Let's talk quickly about Christopher Sanchez. Um, another night with no walks for Christopher Sanchez. Corey Seidman uh, tweeted out that he's walked just 10 of 259 batters since his call-up. This is a guy <laughs> who wow. had struggled with his control and command throughout the minor leagues. He it, it was It was the thing that was preventing him from being a consistent major league pitcher or even a consistent minor league pitcher. He couldn't throw strikes. He would walk guys all the time. And now this season, it appears a light bulb went on. And again, I don't know if this is Caleb Cottom. I don't know if this is something else, but. Uh, Corey Simon notes only George Kirby, Logan Webb, Zach Eflin, and Braxton Garrett have a lower walk rate since Christopher Sanchez was called up. Six innings, five hits, two runs, no walks, six strikeouts, just 83 pitches in six innings on Friday night. And Chris Sanchez now on the season, 13 starts, 70 innings, a 3.33 ERA. And... He's starting to work himself into the conversation as a a starting pitcher on a big league rotation moving forward. I mean, I don't know, I don't know who is this team's like they they're going with six starters right now. You know, he's right now he's throwing better better than Ranger Suarez, and Suarez has been on the injured list with a bad hamstring. He's expected to come back when the Phillies hit the road either in San Diego or in Milwaukee uh, next week. But um, he's, I, I mean, Chris Sanchez has been amazing since his call up Liz. And I, I don't, I don't know what the Phillies future is with their rotation or even for the end of the season or the playoffs, what they're going to use, how they're going to utilize Chris Sanchez. But the fact that he's throwing strikes that he's not walking guys, he gives up home runs, but he's not walking guys. You can you can absolutely win with a player like that. And again, he his stuff, his changeup looked absolutely dynamite on Friday night. Really, just a, another phenomenal outing from Christopher Sanchez of all people. Yeah, I actually managed to catch some of the game over the shoulder of the guy I was uh, sitting uh, behind at the Harrisburg Senators game. He was watching the game on his phone, and me and my dad and my husband were all were all just peeking over his shoulder and he was reacting every time something good happened and he started talking to me about Christopher Sanchez at one point and he's like he's great he has to stay they can't let him go right <laughs> and I'm just like I he's amazing I'm like they the Phillies aren't stupid enough to do anything to uh that's my thing I trust that the Phillies aren't stupid and they don't think it, they know they're not cleverer than they are or that mm -hmm. they have to be because if he's good, they're not going to do anything. They, they can't move yeah. him. They can't. That would be that would be a very unwise thing to do when they have someone who's been doing as well as he is. So they'll have to find a way around. They'll have to find a way, find a way to get Ranger Suarez in around that. Because 
there isn't anybody else on the team that you'd rather see right now start behind Aaron Nola, right? In a playoff, in a playoff scenario. I mean, Justin, I mean, you can take that, you can field that question. I, I, for my part, I mean, Taiwan Walker has been very good, um, but his velocity has kind of been up and down over these last few weeks. They had to give him extra time to get his velocity back up, so he's kind of got a little bit of a question mark. I, I think Ranger Suarez is probably a little bit better of a pitcher than Christopher Sanchez, and he has the playoff experience. I would probably lean towards Ranger Suarez over him right now. Michael Lorenzen's been weird. He, you know, he had those two great starts, the no hitter, and he's been kind of he got hit around a little bit here in his last two starts. Although, again, I think we talked about it a four run a four run outing from, from Lorenzen isn't out of the realm, you know, like that's, that's about what he is kind of a, kind of a pitcher, but it, it's been, it's interesting with these last, with these last four guys, who's going to be a starter in a playoff game. Who's going to be out of the bullpen in a playoff game. Uh, who, who's going to be, who's going to be best the rest of the way. They're kind of all taking turns. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's I mean, well, and, and let me say that riches. because you talked about Dave Dombrowski not doing anything. You talked about the Phillies not doing anything stupid. That's Dave Dombrowski. That's exactly who's, what I mean. Yes. Who is looking at this and saying, you know what? We we shouldn't go get another bat. Let's get another starting pitcher because you're going to have an injury like Ranger Suarez hitting the injured list. And you hope, you know, you have all these stars on offense that you think are going to jump in and start to hit, which is exactly what's happened. He played that. He calculated that expertly. And now you've gotten Johan Rojas in to get some action in, in the outfield. You actually have some movable pieces and some fun things to do in the outfield with your different guys. And so, Justin, yeah, I mean, I don't know what you do with these with these last four guys, what order we would rank them in, because I don't in my mind, I don't have a clear ranking for these for these other four starters in the rotation. Other than that, they're all pitching pretty good. Yeah, I've never thought about this. And then I thought it was obvious when Liz said it. But I was like, no, of course you would. And then I thought, hmm. I think the answer is that all, I would say all three of these pitchers, Lorenzen, Walker, and Suarez, have higher ceilings than Sanchez. But right now, yeah, like based on what we've seen lately, it is it would be crazy to suggest anybody's been steadier than Sanchez. I mean, the thing about sliding a guy into the fifth spot in your rotation is that it's something that's going to get talked about a lot when you're still looking for a fifth starter, but the Phillies have solved the problem. We were talking about this for weeks. They solved this problem with Christopher Sanchez. They finally fit the right guy in there and he has excelled. He has overcome his command issues. Even when, even on a night where he like hits three batters, like he did like a month ago, you know what he did that in the middle of throwing five, no hit innings. Yeah. So (laughs) like that, that, that at the moment he is there, there's almost been nobody steadier really like nobody you could honestly rely on more which is crazy and, and when you fix a problem like not having a fifth starter it's it's more just like the engine starts working the way it's supposed to and i don't remember anybody like throwing any parties like hooray we found our guy it was more just like no he got slid in there and he was effective and everyone just kind of was pleasantly surprised and nodded and, and moved on and you know that there hasn't really been a huge reaction to it but he has been very successful in that role he has allowed three or fewer runs in 12 of 13 starts this year wow that's that's incredible that's exactly yeah. what you want from a number three starter yeah you gotta ride the hot hand you mm-hmm. have to stay with him yeah so I, I at the very least to put somebody else on a short leash and have sanchez ready to go is a huge huge tool for the Phillies to have at their disposal. And yeah, you got to give credit to, to the Phillies and Dave Dombrowski for putting together a deep enough pool of talented guys that some of them can go down and some of them can struggle and you can, you can still rely on others and uh, overcome any kind of early disasters.
Yeah. yeah, and for and and for zigging when all the rest of us were zagging and calling for Adam Duvall or some left fielder to to play out there, and and you go out and get Michael Lorenzen, it's kind of why did we need another starter? I mean, Chris Sanchez is doing real well in the number five spot. Why do we now? We you see you Dave Dombrowski immediately. <laughs> yeah, Dave Dombrowski knows a thing or two. We don't we don't know much about it. <laughs> as no, much I mean, as Dave dif- Dombrowski. The difference is that this wasn't a team that was that was. Uh, missing a whole lot it was coming up short in areas that it thought had they had already filled yeah you know yeah. like that's that's what the way he approached the trade deadline and that's that is not the way any fans including us are going to approach the trade deadline. That's right. see, like the Phillies yeah. we see flawed and we see Dombrowski's sitting up there and it's the trade deadline and you just think well a team that makes no moves right now is a team that expects the, to stay the same uh and thinks that's okay or is you know, at least saying they think that's okay when no one believes them. And in the case of the Phillies, I mean, he, w- he was right. This was a team that was still waiting to find its potential and had found a way to survive thus far by becoming a different kind of team than they were laid out to be. Uh, and so all he all he felt like he had to do, and, you know, it was something of a roll of the dice, but all he had to do was wait for the lights to come on. You know, like you said, gently add to the rotation and then just wait for the bats to start hitting the balls. And finally they did, and the Phillies are this power team suddenly that, that can rely on its pitching or its power hitting to, to come through and, and win big games. So, yeah, I, I think uh, I, I think that the, the approach to the trade deadline this year is going to be looked back on as uh, incredibly – uh, perhaps a gamble, but ultimately insightful from Dombrowski. Yeah, you get the feeling that they're going to need that extra arm more than they would need that extra bat or that extra I mean, they player. Have so out many of the extra outfield. bats already. That's what's been yeah. absurd about the yeah. offense not being strong, or or right. at least the strongest part of this team. Well, the and extra I wanna, bats are laying around. They're all in the I, lineup every night. And, and I want to look at the offense now because you're right. I mean, and you just whereas a month ago you looked at this lineup and you just kept asking yourself, who's going to get the hit? Like who's gonna who's gonna hit the home run? Who who's gonna? And now everybody up and down the lineup is getting big hits, hitting home runs. I mean, they've already set the franchise record for home runs in a month. Uh, they did that on Saturday night. They're gonna they're gonna keep moving past that number. I mean, it's they're just everybody in the lineup is is hitting home runs. Bryson Stott hit big hit a big home run. Uh, Brandon Marsh hit a big home run. Of course, Bryce Harper's power stroke is back, and that is one of the biggest developments here in the month of August. Is is Bryce Harper coming uh, coming through with his with his power bat? Uh, Kyle Schwarber is lighting it up in 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 August. I'm gonna give his numbers in just a second, but right now uh Bryce Harper is in the conversation for National League player of the month. Now, I don't think anybody is going to be able to overtake Mookie Betts uh who has yeah. hit coming into play on Sunday is hitting brace yourselves 457. <laughs> oh, he's wow. been on base 51% of the time here and, and he has not been hurt. He's played every day with a with an on-base percentage of 510 with a 793 slugging percentage. He's been worth almost two and a half wins above replacement. This month uh. alone, <laughs> which which is insane. Seven home runs, 22 RBIs. Bryce Harper's right behind him. Second best offensive numbers in the National League this month. Harper coming into Sunday, 361, 443 with a 735 slugging percentage. Seven home runs, 18 RBIs this month. If it wasn't for Mookie Betts, Bryce Harper is probably your National League Player of the Month for August. But it's not just him. Uh, Kyle Schwarber has uh, nine home runs and 19 RBIs. 23 walks in 23 games here in the month of August, a 989 OPS. Another leadoff home run in this game on Sunday. 
12 of his 36 home runs have come on the first pitch of an at-bat this year, and he now has hit a leadoff home run 27 times in his career, 14 with the Phillies. Today's on Sundays was his seventh leadoff home run of the season. In his last 17 games, he has an 1190 OPS, now has 36 home runs on the season. The only Phillies player in team history that has 35 or more homers in each of his first two seasons with the Phillies is Jim Tomey. So you've got Harper, you've got Schwarber. Uh, JT Realmuto struggling a little bit, but that's all right. Trey Turner continues to get his hits. Nick Castellanos had a big three-run home run on Saturday night. He's not walking at all. He's striking out a ton, but Castellanos is also coming up with a lot of hits, so you'll take it. And then you just have everybody else in the lineup. Johan Rojas had three hits. Johan Rojas had three hits in this game on Sunday. I could pull up his stats. What do you think his... He's great. <laughs> what do you think his batting average is right now? Just off the top of your head. 283. Liz, what do you think his batting average is right now? I think we're in the two, 270 range. Johan Rojas' batting average after a three-hit game is 310. <laughs> oh, his his wow. on-base percentage is 355, and he has a slugging percentage of 437 <laughs> uh, so far right now. So, I mean, Jeez. yeah, just like you said, Justin, there's just bats lying around. You know, Jake Cave is actually coming through with some big hits now now and then. Um, Edmundo Sosa is getting into some games, you know, here and, and doing some good things. So, you know, they the, the offense has finally hit its stride in August. This is the team we thought we were getting. This is the offense we they were supposed to be. This is the offense Dave Dombrowski thought that they would be when he decided not to add any more pieces at the trade deadline. And it's it is it is so fun to watch this team right now with, when they're hitting the ball like this. It's and on Sunday they did it with small ball too. You know, they actually executed after the Schwarber leadoff home run with moving guys over, sacrifice fly, Bryce Harper with a big insurance run on an RBI single late in the game. They're they're kind of doing it in all kinds of different when they're not hitting for power, they're still figuring it out. Yeah, and that's that's exactly the kind of team this wasn't for a long time. And this is this is wild. I, I honestly like to be able to bring up Johan Rojas and, and have him be as successful as, as he's been. And like you said, it gives you the opportunity to just mess around in later innings and get a little more strategic. What's the path? What's the time frame on, on Pache? What's his deal at this point? Like, yeah, and, and nobody's, I, I think he, he, oh, he had another injury as he was recuperating. He had like a hip thing that came up. So I, I, he's back on the shelf. I haven't seen an update on that in the last week, but just as he was getting ready to come back, because he was on the same timeline as Brandon Marsh, he had another injury as he was doing a minor league rehab assignment. So he's, he's out for a little while yet. All right. Well, I mean, he even he was uh, he was all, absolutely a fun piece to watch when when he was back with the team. Um, and I think we're all, we're all familiar with his narrative as well. I mean, they've gotten like for as many home runs as, as they've hit this month, they've gotten them from 12 different players. I mean, that is that is who this is supposed to be, like you're saying. But it's kind of even more than what they're <laughs> supposed to be like. That was supposed to be like. Maybe five guys were supposed to be hitting the lion's share of the home runs. Uh, but, yeah, they are really – they're spreading it out this month. And this has been their easily most impressive month of the season. And, yeah, I, maybe there's a lesson in here that a team that's set up to dominate uh, doesn't necessarily, like, have that 
factoring in all of like the other things that can happen to a team, you're lucky to get like one month of how that team's actually supposed to operate. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, you have teams like the Braves who seem to be on cruise control in a high setting for, for a full season. But uh, I think you see a lot more of the time, you know, a team starts, it starts only start is capable of being the team they were set up to be for like these compartmentalized amounts of time. And for the Phillies to choose this time of year to do this is true. This is the best. They they saved the best for last. Like this was exactly yeah. this was exactly what they needed to be down the stretch. Tremendously encouraging. Like I was going to comment about Johan Rojas. Him being there has allowed Thompson to deploy Brandon Marsh, other guys too, but Brandon Marsh especially very strategically, and he's had a mm-hmm. lot of success with that. And yeah. Marsh has seemed to just embrace the role, whatever role he's given. He seems just eager to to jump into it as long as he gets to be in the dugout with everybody i feel like he's happy to to do yeah. whatever is is asked of him which is wonderful yeah well and the last thing i'll say um about this team before we get to some final thoughts here is you know i don't want to get your thoughts on this too just the, the team chemistry is is off the charts like with the things i saw this weekend you know you had uh i think it was after Brandon Marsh hit his three-run home run. You had Stott, uh, Stott and Bohm were on base as he hit the th- as he hit the home run. And as as they were waiting for him to cross home plate, they had a, like a three-man hug just off of home plate. Like these three guys, you know, this daycare group, the you know, with the constant assaulting of the post-game hero uh-huh. with water and candy and oranges, um, whatever it happens to be, is just it's the best gag going right now. And it's clear those three have a connection and a bond, and they like really love each other you have um garrett stubbs who is the absolute vibes king on this team mr day game yeah mr (laughs) day game a great great piece who wrote that do you remember who wrote that oh gosh Somebody wrote that this week. I'm sorry, I don't remember which beat writer wrote the, the really good Garrett Stubbs um, article. So I apologize. Just Google Garrett Stubbs, um, and and you'll you'll you, it'll come up. But he has these great Phillies overalls that are just awful. They're hideous, and he was wearing them for his post game interview. He's giving them out to the rest of the team, so they're all wearing them. But you have Jose Alvarado making beaded necklaces for for everybody. And there was a there was a moment in the game on Sunday where he went up to Trey Turner and was like, you could point see pointing at his neck like, hey, where's where's the necklace I gave you? And and Bohm and him are giving giving Trey Turner a lot of nonsense about not having the necklace on. And <laughs> before the game on on Saturday, they had a closest to the pin challenge where all the guys in the Phillies fantasy football league teams <laughs> teed off in center field. I mean, at home plate to do a, a closest to the pin challenge to see who would de- to determine the draft order for their draft. And somebody caught this on video, and they're all horsing around with each other before the game. Like it's just it, it's it makes you like this team more. And it's so cool to see, it seems like everybody on the team likes everybody. And I think that comes from Schwarber. I think that comes from Rob Thompson. It came from Thompson letting the young guys have a voice last year and feel freer to kind of do their own thing. And that, I think, loosened up a lot of the veterans on the team. Not being in the clubhouse, I can't speak intelligently to that. But that's what it looks like from the outside. You know, where you have these guys after post-game shows, you know, throwing stuff at each other. And, you know, Brandon Marsh eats an orange like an apple, like peel and all, and hands it to Stubbs. And then Stubbs starts eating it like an apple, ripping ripping skin off. As he it's just, it's all hilarious and it's all great. And I love every bit of it. And I don't know what you guys, you guys want to add to that, but it's, there's so many, so many moments from this weekend that it just kind of rung true. Uh, yeah. Uh, that was Todd Zalecki, by the way, who wrote that Thank story. Thank you. Mr. It was a great show. Mr. Great, great story. Yes. 
uh, Mr. Day Games. Uh, I don't remember who posted it on Twitter, but it was um, it was it was two players in Outer Space. It was a it was a gif of two players doing like the European kiss kiss, one on each cheek. Like oh, it was it was Harper. It was Harper and uh, Stubbs. Thank you. That's what I thought. Um, yeah. Yes, it was a European Harper. reading. Yes. yes, I loved like that was <laughs> like just, what are you doing? <laughs> it was That's so, so great. cute. I'm just like they all have their own thing. It's just like it's they all feel free to be themselves. It seems, mm-hmm. and that's what that's what being a players manager is all about. That's why Aaron Nola is still Rob Thompson's first choice because he's a players manager and mm-hmm. he knows. He he lets a lot of intangibles and, you know, stature and the number of years you've been there influence the choices for better or for worse. That's how he manages. Uh, and so it would be great for that for those things to work out. But, you know, you sort of have to just accept that. But with that comes a lot of great stuff. It's just it's such a I think everyone was a little worried coming into the season with the vibes survive. Yeah, would they? And they have. Like, I think Stubbs brought back uh, dancing on my own for like one or two days, and then they mm-hmm. got back on their game. And they, I think, he stopped playing it because I haven't heard about it in a while, which is a great yeah. move. Like yeah. that's 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 what a good vibes king. That's what a good yeah. vibe king of vibes knows how to do. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was it's it's really a good scene in Philadelphia right now, and this team is playing its best baseball. They are they are getting hot, um, and they're they're taking advantage of of a nice little break in the schedule and all of the home games. Like they, this, they went through so many road games in the first half of the season, first three months of the season, that they are benefiting from playing at Citizens Bank Park again, where they are just like most teams, a much better team. And it almost doesn't matter who they're playing when they're playing at home; they just play better. They win series when they're at home most of the time. Yeah, it doesn't so matter it, who they're playing ever. I stand by that. Well, speaking of that, as we finish up, as we get ready for, for final thoughts, I did want to mention that the Cubs who are now the number two team in the wild card, as they are uh, approaching the Phillies, the Phillies still have a, a nice, comfortable, not comfortable, but a solid lead on the Cubs at this point. The Cubs are about to play 14 straight games against teams above 500. They're going to play three games against the Brewers at home. They go into Cincinnati to play four against the Reds. They host the Giants for three, and then they play four at home against Arizona. So uh, that's a lot of home games. Um, they've got, let's see, Six, uh, 10 of their next 14 games are all at Wrigley Field, but all against teams over 500. So the Cubs uh, schedule will heat up a little bit here uh, over the next uh, two weeks or so. And so we'll see if the Cubs are for real uh, over these next next couple of weeks. So, all right, final thoughts, Justin, fire them at me. Well, Justin, in, in, in terms of the chemistry thing, I don't know who it was, but somebody wrote once that you don't have to love each other, but you have to love playing together at the very least, if you like want to win. But I think these Phillies just kind of bypass that and just love each other. And that's even better because uh, it doesn't guarantee you anything, but it does make anything that happens just easier to take. And I think that uh, that was huge. It was a huge part of this team's development uh, that they didn't have an identity for so long, even when they had a couple of really good players. 
And that kind of shows that everything is really kind of unified and cohesive and stitched together, uh, that this team is starting to fire on all cylinders. And, you know, when it wasn't, it was leaning on stuff like this, on, on, on the fact that these guys seem to have a really good time being on the same team together. So that's a big part of just building a team, and it's not guaranteed, and it's hard to do when you're an executive. But that is a big area. That is a big box to check off if you're trying to build a World Series contender, and I think the Phillies have checked that box. So that's a good thing to see going into September. 100% agree. And, you know, we've talked about the, all that togetherness and, and the chemistry. It, it's hard to create it ad hoc but when you see it when you've got it you do as much as you can to keep it together and then bring in guys you think will fit with that culture and i think a lot of gms like maybe the padres gm uh didn't really understand that when he was putting his team together but there have been other teams in the past where you're really talented and just doesn't work for whatever reason liz final thought from you friends i went to a minor league baseball game this uh this weekend for the first time in quite a while uh, it was a fun time. It was a cheap time. It was it was a great time. Treasure your minor league teams. Go and visit them. You will not regret it. It was it was just a, a lovely evening uh, watching a a Nationals prospect who's going to be a, a real pain in the butt in a couple of years. I think as he was doing Cruz. <laughs> they're annoyed, but they're oh, playing yeah. the Reading Phillies. They were playing the, or the Reading Fightins, and uh, it was really cool to see them. They eventually won in like ten innings. We, we did not stay to see the end of it. It was 8,000 <laughs> degrees. Yeah. According to Baseball America, minor league baseball uh, attendance numbers are back to where they were pre-pandemic. They, like, weren't sure. They'd apparently plateaued at, like, 30,000 a game or something, um, and, and they're back, like, over 40. So, like, that is good news. People That's are great. going to minor league baseball games, and they, that wasn't necessarily guaranteed. That's really great. interesting. If they hadn't contracted the miners a few years ago, they probably would be getting even more attendance and money. Wow. I don't think that makes any sense. Like, no. How does more I guess of not. something create more no. of anything? That's insane. No, no. I think that's uh, your poppycock, Liz, and I don't, I would, I'd appreciate if you take that on down the road to some other. Let's, let's some cut other sh- more teams. Yeah, let's just. I think we haven't done enough, frankly, uh, to to thin the herd here. Um, well, it's a, it's it's certainly fun times here for Phillies fans as they're as they're getting ready to take on the Anaheim Angels this week. Uh, no Shohei Otani on the mound, of course. I knew you guys talked a lot about that on the Friday edition of Hit and Season um, and uh, the the future of Otani. But we will still get to see him hit. He has been murdering the ball even ever after since the um, the UCL diagnosis, and so. Oh man, he is on fire offensively. So um, the, there'll be at least one player to look forward to uh, when the when the Angels come into town here uh, for a three game series starting on Monday night. But again, another series the Phillies are, should take advantage of a weaker opponent. And we'll get to see a little Shohei Otani this week at CBP as well. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for this edition of Hit and Season. And want to remind you also again about the Hit and Season Patreon. Uh, we've got a lot of great bonus podcasts there. It's Patreon.com/slash Hit and Season. And don't forget to check out our Hit and season landing page over at billy penn it's billypenn.com slash hit and season you can see all of our articles and podcasts there as well thanks everybody for tuning in we'll talk to you next time right here on hit and season 